Good evening, everybody. We are here on the 17th of April, third Saturday. Yes, third Saturday. Saturday. We are probably looking into another lockdown. Yep. That's what we are hearing. Another lockdown could come in unexpected because things are pretty bad. But we are used to lockdowns by now. <laughs> I mean, we've seen life doesn't change much for us, whether we are locked in or locked out. <laughs> it's practically the same. same. So it's like Paul saying, we know how to abase and how to abound. You know, we can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens mm-hmm. us. So we have questions. Today we started a little early and... Uh, Max will go till 8, Indian time, 8. That's an hour and 10 minutes from now because Pastor Vijay has another meeting at 8 on Zoom. So please uphold him also in your prayers. This to the young people of another church. So before we go to the Q&A, we shall look to the Lord because we need wisdom. We need discernment from above because one counsel, a wrong counsel can destroy a person's life. If they take it, if we are wrong and they take our counsel and act on it, hmm. that's why counseling is not an easy thing. We need to be very, very sure. That's why we are always going back to the word to say that our, our counsel does not uh, rest on our wisdom. It rests on the infallible, unchangeable word of God, what he has spoken. So it will be because he is the only one who never changes. So Father, this evening, as we come to you, there are questions and we're giving answers, O Lord. And I pray, Father, whatever is of us will fall to the ground. Whatever is of you will always stand. We submit ourselves to the anointing of the Holy Spirit, to the authority of the Word. Mm. And I pray the hearers, the listeners, your children, who have doubts, questions, they will also have the discernment to know what is of you and not of you, Lord. I pray, Father, guard our lips from error. Father, we just want to thank you for today. The whole day you are with us, we commit everyone into their hands. May the hand of God rest on everyone, that mighty hand of God, wherever they are listening from. There are many still sick, so many sick. But Lord, when your hand comes upon us, we will pick our mat and we will walk. Rest for the soul. I speak that word, Lord. Rest. Oh, Father, the most comforting thing you said, all those who are weary and heavy laden, come to me. I will give you rest. rest your rest, your peace. I speak, Lord. We may not be able to understand that the midst of the turmoil, family is going through turmoil. So much pain. Break up things every day we keep here. Oh, Father, I speak your peace. And your Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Body and for the soul. Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you. Speak to, to us, Lord. Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So we will go to the first question. Pastor, we'll look at question number four, Pastor. Um, very sober question. Okay. Question. I, I will send you one more. I have a lot sure, that can, has come. Okay. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. Sober question. Go ahead. Uh, it says, how do you manage to juggle between the spirit and the flesh? 
it drives me crazy okay i pray and study the word for 4 hours as an ex, as an ex muslim i'm used to the discipline of studying but when confronted with inhuman wickedness nastiness authorities abusing their power immediately the anger the frustration not being able to say or anything you pray you study but god does not answer in a month sometimes sometimes years how does one cope with that uh one of the things uh, which you have to look at i mean your background also is a part of it our background also plays a part into how we react to situations hmm. because uh, you come from a background which is basically sharia the law yeah, the law and you are suddenly coming into a different altogether different that's why law came through moses hmm. grace and truth came through jesus christ the law brought turned water into blood right and grace turned water into wine mm-hmm. right the law said uh, stone the adulteress but grace sets the adulteress free from the sin and from the power that causes you to sin so we have to see the difference over here so that's the first thing the second thing is that you cannot you are not supposed to juggle between spirit and uh, <laughs> spirit and, and flesh. flesh let me show you how we react what happens when we do that okay go to galatians 5 that's the key chapter when it comes to the struggle between flesh and and uh, sorry uh, spirit is galatians chapter 5 okay verse 16 and 17 and 18 16 i say then walk in the spirit you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh and one of the lust of the flesh is wrath and wanting to take revenge hmm okay as part of even if even if it is a righteous thing there's something that is called justice and that is something that is called vengeance okay these are two different things two hmm. different things for justice god has appointed people god has appointed people for vengeance god is the only one who mm-hmm. can take vengeance is mine says god so first we need to look back am i looking for justice or am i looking for vengeance if i'm for looking for justice in that context of what you are facing the first question is that what can i do mm-hmm. if i don't have the authority or power to intervene in this situation then i still have power and authority what is that i can go to the throne room of god mm-hmm. i can went before god because ultimately he has power to intervene in every situation so the first thing is that do i can i intervene in this situation like let us see we see so much atrocities in india what can we do we have neither power nor authority in the civil system okay and we are not activists but we have something which no civil activist has we have the authority and the power to go freely to god's presence mm. and ask him to intervene and once we have vented before god and cast this before god we come out of that place in peace but where we can do something do something the word of god demands us to do something mm. where it is in our power to help somebody to rescue somebody it also demands us to then with this this issue with flesh and blood uh, spirit the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another look at verse 18 that's what i want if you're not led by the spirit you're not under the law mm-hmm. meaning <coughs> if you're not led by the spirit you are under the law okay so if you are 
under if you are led by the spirit you are not under the law okay if you are led by the spirit you are not under the law but if you are not led by the spirit you need to understand you are under the law mm. you are under the law and what does the law does the law awakens in you every kind of Lust. reactions yeah, lust and anger and wrath and all mm. okay if you look at jesus jesus was never angry with the sinners he was angry with the legalists mm. you notice it mm. he goes into a synagogue he's angry with the pharisees who do not want the power of god to set people free and uh, that paul explains in the book of romans what does the law do okay If you go to Romans 7, okay, where Paul says, what shall we say? It's 7-7. Is the law sin? <laughs> Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, do not covet. But since seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment produced in me every kind of covetous desire. This is what the law does. See what the law does is that the law creates its own reactions, mm. its own reaction. The law never helps you. You need to understand the law never helps you. It never helps you. It actually causes a desire in us which actually contradicts the law. Yeah, okay, it exactly. contradicts the law. So the law was made for flesh. Mm. Okay, and the flesh doesn't like the law. Flesh doesn't like the law. Okay, mm. and so that's why the law is made for the carnal man. And uh, if you look at it, that's basically what the question is here. We flip between, and all of us, you know what? It's over time we learn. After you no, know, after it's over time we actually realize. One of the fundamental lessons I have learned is that God has not called me to do everything mm. and settle every issue in this world. That's not that's not my job. That's God's job. There's so much. evil and crime and things happening and the simple thing is that i am not god we need to be very focused to see what is that we are called to do and what is that i can do whenever i see something and leave rest in the, we are not closing our eyes we are actually acknowledging god is in control and there is another thing which gives us comfort no evil will escape hmm the day is set for it every man's thoughts words deeds will be judged by the living god nobody from adam onwards the last man no unrepented evil or sin is going to escape scrutiny that's what the bible says you will not judge by what you see so but with with a righteousness you will judge mm-hmm. so even though i see evil and i see evil men begin getting away with it nobody is going to get away with it mm-hmm. nobody is getting away with it actually it is better to repent now mm. and go to jail than not to repent and escape and end up in the hands of god mm. because the bible says our god is a consuming fire let us say somebody did a murder okay and uh, he escapes but he is convicted what should he do if he is a wise man he should go confess his sin and go to the police to the court because he has acknowledge it himself court may may show some kind of mercy may sentence him for 10 years okay what does he get 10 years but his soul is safe on the other hand he doesn't do that he bribes he does all these things he gets away with it hmm. you know what happens in eternity hmm. he doesn't get away with it oh. 
doesn't get away with it. That is what gives us the assurance. You know what, Lord? Nobody's going to escape that day. Nobody's going to escape that way. It is better to fall for mercy now hmm. than at that day where there is no mercy. So even when we see all these unbelievable, inhuman abuse that is taking place by people who were called to protect. They have become the predators who are abuse, using their power and authority to abuse you. And we have read, read in ICA and all, hell has enlarged himself. Mm. And who are the ones coming in? The Primarily. Mm. It is not the poor mm. who are coming in. It is some big, mighty rich. And mm. that's what James says. Aren't these ones the ones who oppress you? Mm. And they're coming in one single file. They're falling into hell one after another. And the devil set them up here and set them up there. So nobody is going to escape. But we have to. So when God reveals these things to us, when he shows these things to us, he's also showing us what is that. It's a test for you too. Hmm. Are you reacting in the spirit or are you reacting it in the flesh? How do you react in the flesh? When you see a real issue, if I am reacting in the flesh, at one level, I am no better than them. I am no better than them. That's what Jesus did. He says, who is without sin? Cast of us. Suddenly everyone left. One by one by one by everyone left. Okay. So God says, you know, judge yourself. That's where it says judge. Okay. Because somebody, let us say, killed somebody. And I'm so angry. I want to kill that person. He's a murderer. I'm a murderer. I'm taking justice in my own hands. I'm insulin. I don't have the right or the power to. Take justice. I can be agitated. I can be upset. But what I'm supposed to do, what within the legal framework of the system, what it allows me to do, and when the legal framework itself is unrighteous, I can still appeal to the righteous God. And there is a God who will intervene. And that's what we see. We look about the fall of communism in the USSR, the old Soviet Union. How many millions of people? Mm. Was there a war? Was there a rebellion? Was there a revolution? No, 75 years. Then it collapsed like nine pins. You know why? Because people just prayed and God intervened. Hmm. God intervened. Like we saw Israel was larger than actually the Egyptians if you go by the narrative in Egypt. Did they fight? They just cried out to God, right? They cried out to God. And God delivered them out of their situation. And has God changed? No. God hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. So the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 3. Yeah, no? Join with them. Yeah, uh, join with yeah. them. How do we join with them? Three. We join with them in prayer. Hmm. I'm, not, I'm not able to get this. Yeah. Oh, it will not come on is, the screen. Is right? it possible to uh, connect the screen? No, okay. the screens are, oh, unless you connect it to the other room. One, one, okay. one, one screen at least. Yeah. John, uh, sorry, Hebrews chapter 13. 13. Remember those in prison. As if you were their fellow prisoners and those who are ill-treated as if you yourselves were suffering. Okay, so what else, so the word of God says, join, join with them. Yeah, it's coming. Yeah, join with them. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them. Mm. Okay, how do, how do you change yourself with somebody? Let us say the oppression in North Korea. Let's talk about the Christians or in China. How do you, how do you, or even we just don't pray for the oppressed which are Christians. First them, yes, because they are being oppressed. For what is true, there will be others who are being oppressed because what they believe is untrue, but still they are also prisoners of conscience. So we pray for everybody, but first we pray for our own brethren, the family of God. Okay, and uh, how do we how do we chain ourselves with them? 
we chain ourselves with them in prayer, in prayer, and and we we go to God, and we ask God to put that burden in our hearts, and actually, you know what? Things happen. Hmm. Things really happen. God starts moving, and we have actually intervened in a situation. We put to death the flesh, which wants to take revenge and everything, and actually we are not able to do. We put to death, get into a prayer closet, and we start praying and interceding. You know what? We come out calm, and we also know God is in control. God is in control. And that's what Jesus did. If you look at it, how did he deal with his flesh? Do you know? Do you think he did not want to act in the flesh? He had the power. He said, if I want 12 legions of agents, my father. I mean, he always had the power to invoke. He would, the angels would come. But he never did it. He never did it. You see, he never did a social transformation. He didn't abolish slavery. Mm-hmm. He didn't do any of this thing. That's why they were all upset with him. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because what did he come to do first? He came to set man free from inside. inside. One man at a time. And the next millennium will be different. It will be a completely social transformation. There will be no sin allowed at all. So he didn't put one before the other. For the other, because our job is to change one person, allow the gospel to change one person at a time. And what happens when that happens? The society changes. The society changes. And Jesus didn't do any of those things. So I believe in the flesh he was very, very agitated. But he went up in the mountain or a place. He brought his flesh and came down and did his father's job. Father's job. What the father told him, and he was that half, knowing my father will take care of it. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, this is question number two. I think it's the spirit is the same. Can you explain what actually Jesus meant to show another cheek when some someone strikes on one cheek or to walk an extra mile? Also on his teachings on forgiveness, did that mean to be a Christian doormat? Many misinterpret so. If at work or socially being bullied or harassed or being uh, taken advantage of, and if the colleagues keep being snippy or keep passing snarky comments, there are times to speak up too. Balancing the scale of being a Christian and also to confront someone's nasty behavior is is a day-to-day challenge. Mm. Though we pray or declare the day, still the enemy keeps targeting us through others during the course of the day. What's the best way to tackle this? Like we we, we explained with uh, illustration, what can you explain when Jesus meant to show the other cheek, right? God had said, if somebody slaps on your right. right cheek, show. And we need to realize that nobody strikes on your right cheek. Usually people strike you on your left cheek. Mm. Because if you look here, Pastor Vijay's left cheek is in my... So when somebody does it on your right cheek, it is not a punishment. It's an insult. Mm. It's an insult. Okay, it's an insult. They're humiliating you. They're insulting you. It's not necessarily somebody is beating you up. That's not what it means. Somebody is insulting you. Somebody is humiliating you, you know. And uh, and Jesus shows us a way. Mm. Somebody insults us. You see, there are different ways you can react. But, you know, there is still the best way. Okay? First Peter chapter 2, verse 21. Let's read from verse 19. Then only we'll get it. Because you have to look at the context. What is your context? For this is commendable, if because of conscience toward God and one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. First you have to look at the whole context. Why are you being humiliated? Why are you being insulted? Mm. Is it 
for the sake of your conscience. Yes. Meaning, is it for righteousness sake? The righteousness of God. Because you stood up for something which you know it's right in God's sight. Okay, you are, like I said, you're not a social activist. You're not being, uh, humiliated because you stood up for global warming. I'm not talking about activists. I'm talking about the faith. You're talking about Christendom. Like, uh, Daniel was thrown into the lion's den for refusing to stop praying. Yes. Okay, Daniel's three friends were thrown into the fire for refusing to bow to an idol. So you have to be very, very clear. Why are you going through this? Why are you growing, going through this? So it is very, very clear. If God has to intervene into something, be very sure it is something godly, something that got to do with God and the kingdom of God. One endures grief, suffering wrongfully. Okay? What credit is it if when you are beaten for your own faults and you take it patiently? But when you do good, you do good, what is right, do good and suffer. If you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Okay, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving as an example that you should follow his steps. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Who committed no sin, no was deceit found in his mouth. Who then, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Okay, so we have to look at that picture. Okay, and... Uh, what happens is, you need to understand, like we say, and it is true, hurting people hurt others. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, Some of the people who are very nasty and all, it's simply because uh, the Christ in you provokes them. Okay, The Bible says, to some we are the aroma of life. Mm-hmm. To some we are the aroma of death. Mm-hmm. Okay, They provoke your... I mean, if you look at the case of Joseph, I mean... What provoked them? His brothers. It was a Christ in him. He refused to go with them. He refused to do their stuff. And what? actually they should be his younger brother. They should be happy. Thank God our younger brother is not coming. But that's not that. It's provoking them. Mm. It is provoking them. Sometimes when you refuse to be part of the mob, part of the crowd, it provokes you. And then when you are humiliated for your faith's sake, when you go through this your faith's sake, what does the Bible say? The Bible says, don't react. Hmm. I'm just checking because when this thing comes, whether... Questions are yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, whether questions are coming in, actually. But I guess we won't have time to do with all of that. So we have to be very, very careful. Very, very, very careful. But sometimes, sometimes it will be a different thing. Okay? Let me put it across this way. You are in a secular workplace, <coughs> and there is let us let's put it make it simple. There's one person in the team who picks on everybody. Okay, picks on everybody, and they are all weak. They are all frightened. He picks on you too, but you are the only one who can handle it. So sometimes in those cases, God may tell you to confront. Yes, them. not for your sake, mm, but for, for the sake, sake of, of the others. Yes, yes. He may mm. ask you to confront that person. Mm. But first, the Bible always say that principle still applies, mm. though it's talked about issues in the church. Still apply one on one, one on one. Call that person one on one and says, "What you're doing is not right. It's not right. It should not be done. It's not. That's not the way to do it. Okay, that's not the way to one on one." Okay, and if it doesn't work, then the second thing comes, call the others and say that we need to report this matter. Mm. Report it. So that principle still applies. Mm. But 
you should be willing to pay the price. If there are repercussions, you're willing to pay the price. Okay? Joseph knew what his brothers were doing was wrong. Mm. But he was not going to be silent about it. So he went and reported to his brothers and the repercussions were there. Okay? They couldn't do anything to him because his father was there. But they refused to be talked to him. They were angry, mad. And then when he had his dream also, they decided we're going to finish him off. And when they got the first opportunity, they, this thing. So repercussions are there. But God protected him. <coughs> God protected him. And brought him through the whole thing. So we have to look at it that way. We have to look at it that way. So this is where you need God to show you. No, at the end of the day, you need to realize is that the enemy will target you. Even if that person goes away, God will send somebody else. Because the whole thing is like I said, is that the whole idea is God is building on us. God, like we have the joke, no? God only said, pick up your cross and mm. follow him. The hammer and the nails will be provided on the way. Will always, and you will always see that in so many ways, what you end up in life is defined by your enemies. Mm. It's defined by your enemies. That makes you who you are. <laughs> you know, if you look at David, David had one friend called Jonathan, and then there was a Nathan. Other than that, he hardly, you don't see anybody who's really, really close to him. But who made John, David, David? The first is Saul. Mm. The simple question is, God declared before anybody knew David is a man after my own heart. But would he have been a man after God's own heart if Saul wasn't there? Saul wasn't there. Second thing, we see Joseph reigned. The simple question is, take Joseph's ten brothers, take Mrs. Potiphar and Potiphar, what do you have? What do you have of choice? Nothing. Will he reign? No. He will not reign. He will not reign. Though the, prof- the, the prophecy is there, the word God has, you see, there is a word God speaks over us. And there is a realization of this. Okay, there's a, there's a gap between these two. God has spoken something and it will come to pass in one time. But for it to come to pass, God has a pathway prepared for us. Mm. Because it is not raining. It is probably basically getting the character to rain. Mm. It's not about raining. If it was just raining, God can put anybody. Mm. We have seen children sitting on thrones and ruining and all, and somebody is a, what you call the viceroy or regent on his behalf. Mm. Sitting on a throne is not a difficult thing. Getting the character to, to rain is the difficult thing. And ultimately character is defined by your trials, your testings and your enemies. Mm. Your enemies. The ones who are after you. Okay. Even with Jesus, we see his disciples, we see the people who love him, but he was defined by his enemies. How we dealt with his enemies is what that defined him. Can you see him ultimately? And that's, that's how we have to see. There are negative situations or terrible situations mm-hmm. and there are enemies because they usually come together. Mm-hmm. Some, sometimes there are no enemies. There is a famine. How do you handle famine? There's a pestilence. How do you handle pestilence or sickness in the family? Okay, so there are things that happen, events that happen, and there are people that cause other situation. You need to look at both. Mm. Both. This will, this will frame our character. Mm. The character, character will determine our destiny. Character is never, just, does not come just like that. Mm. Just like that. So God allows, um, <coughs> you to sometimes hear, I know, like, most people do not know the atrocities that is going in the world. 
But some people are privileged to know. We'll say, oh, I wish I never knew. But God is checking you out. Checking you out. Why, what are you going to do about it? Are you moved by this? Are you going to intercede? Are you going to pray? After that, you look at victims. Will you be more compassionate? You realize, you know what? I see this person doing this, but maybe there is some other story which I do not know. So I will not jump in and judge. Hmm. I will not jump in and judge. What 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 could be this story? What are the wounds behind? You know what? At the end of the day, you become like Jesus. And at the end of the day, he was truth, but he was full of grace. And it's very difficult to reconcile these two things. And only God can reconcile. How do you reconcile truth and how do you reconcile grace? Truth is absolute. Mm. And grace primary facet is mercy. Mm. How do you bring this? Truth will allow no lie. And mercy will forgive every lie. Mm. <laughs> that is met perfectly in, in Christ, Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. And that's what God is trying to, because you need, you need, when you look at people, you need to realize we deal with the issues, but the person is not finished yet. Mm. He's on the road. He's on the road. It's like the prodigal son, you know. How do you know he will not come back to his senses? How do you know he will not come back home? How do you know? You know, we do not know. So we deal with issues and we give the person Always hope that this person will turn back, can turn back. And that's how you deal with it. And that's where you die to your flesh. And uh, being provoked and all that by, by what people say, the answer is what Paul says in Romans 6. Reckon yourself dead. dead in yeah? Seven, right? Reckon yourself dead. You have to live in the light of your baptism. You have to live in the light. If it is directed towards you, meaning reckon yourself dead. If an insult is directed towards you, you should live in the light of your baptism. Like I said, dead, dead dogs neither bark nor bite. Mm-hmm. But it is directed at somebody else who is vulnerable, who cannot defend themselves. Okay? Then you need Stand to step up. in. Because mm-hmm. if you have the power to bring a change in that situation, like let us say, uh, you are the head of an institution mm. or you have a power in an institution, whether it's a home or an institution or something, and there is somebody else also who has power. But that person insults you, leave it alone. It's not a matter, you are dead. But it, it starts abusing somebody in that institution who has does not have the power to retaliate, then you need to step in and say, this does not happen under my watch. Mm. But what is this thing? That's what Jesus, who have, who do you want? Jesus of Nazareth. Mm. said, take me. Don't Leave touch the others them. alone. Leave the others mm. alone. Okay? You want me. Mm. You're not going to touch my disciples. This is not the time. Okay? So he gives himself over to be abused, but he allows his disciples to go away free. So those are the things which we have to look at. Sometimes, sometimes our anger is because we were insulted. Mm. We were abused. Yes. But our anger should be that the weaker ones who cannot defend themselves, uh, where, 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 like I keep saying about all said and done, okay, I'm not, I'm not talking about politics, but all said and done, I like Kesir. Hmm. It's simply because what I see this government has done for the poor people. It's not what they did in high tech city. Yeah. 
It's what they have done for the poor people. Honestly, I'm I'm talking. I've traveled all around India. I've never seen a government in such a short time do so much for the poor. Absolutely, so much for the poor, and they are the ones who really, really matter. The rich can always survive. Yeah. But the poor, you know, so we have to look at the poor, the vulnerable, vulnerable. and uh, if you are insulted, leave it alone. But if you have the power to help somebody who is vulnerable in your circle of influence, at that time, God will ask you to step up. Mm. He will ask you to step up. It's, it's a very interesting word in yeah. Psalm 103. It says, mm. the Lord executes righteousness and judgment to all those who are oppressed. oppressed. It executes. Mm. He and how does he do that? He uses, he, he uses people, people in the authorities. I'm, I'm also sure when Joseph was thrown into prison, all the slaves in the house grieved. Because when he became chief steward, oppression stopped in that house. Mm. Stopped in the house. Mm. The ones before him would have been lording over the other slaves. Oppression stopped in the house. Okay? Because you yourself have to go through oppression before you will truly be compassionate with those who are oppressed. Mm. You need to understand that. Otherwise, it's all head. Mm. It's not really experience. It's not really experience. And then when Joseph was thrown into prison, and in a very short period of time, everything was put into hands. That was the best day for the prisoners. Suddenly, oppression stopped. stopped. Exactly, everything stopped. Mm. Oppression stopped in the prison. And God was looking at that. Mm. And then, when he becomes number two in Egypt, oppression stopped, stopped in Egypt. In Egypt. Yep. Oppression stopped. But why did it stop? Because he himself was oppressed, and like Jesus, he never opened his mouth. Mm. Never opened his mouth. He allowed that to change him so that God could put him in a place of position of power where he could affect the lives of others. And that's the gospel. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. You know? And so don't fight. That's what he's telling (laughs) uh, Saul of Tarsus. Don't kick against the The goats. goats. (laughs) Don't kick against the goats. The goat is long. (laughs) God will push us into more and more painful things. Lord, but he said, don't fight it. Don't fight it. it. Because I want you to go through this because I want to make you into a blessing for the poor and to the oppressed. Poor and to the oppressed. That you will be able to really, really, the heart of Christ can be manifested through you. I know that. And that's why you will always see that the man who is holy, sinless, pure God in flesh, sinners flocked Locked. around mm. him. It's a contradiction. Mm. Sinners flocked because they never felt threatened by him. Never felt threatened by him. He was always kind and compassionate. Yet he never, never lifted his what you call it, compromised on truth. Mm. <laughs> never mm. compromised on truth. Okay, and that's what God is telling us to be. So that in our workplaces, wherever we are, we become the hands and the feet of God. And the mouthpiece. Also the fact that certain times God can, you can ask God for wisdom to escape uh, certain yeah. situations. Like David yeah. had wisdom and he escaped. Right? Escaped he escaped certain situations. situations. Sometimes you need to get out of abusive uh, situations. situations. Yeah. Abusive situations. Mm. You need to get out of it. Like, you know, when we counsel wives who are battered, mm. what should we do? So don't stay there. Mm-hmm. Get out. Get out of your situation. If there is physical, if it is, if there is physical abuse, you need to get out. You need to get out. Trust God, pray God, help. And we have helped people to get out of situations and help them through the process. And if this, like last night I was talking to uh, 
not only physically but emotionally and verbally abused wife for years and yet she's in such bad shape simply because of the abuse of her husband who curses her day and night so what i said was that what should i do uh, because she says every time he speaks i start believing his words i said no his words are lies it's not true it's not true so what you should do is that cut the call off they're not together but still he harasses daily okay cut the call mute the call you don't have to listen to it you don't have to take it there's no need like the person asked you're not a doormat you're not a doormat you don't have to take mm. it you don't have to take it you don't have to take abuse there's no glory in taking abuse you can't just mute it you don't have to react back you don't have to abuse back no you don't have to do that just mute it take it if you're in a physical situation ask god we will make a way you can come out of it mm. out of the physical violence that is the physical verbal you know emotional that kind of violence you need to get out of it but let god lead you through that there was there was a lady in the aeroplane uh she, there were two uh, women who were trying to they were passing mm. remarks on her one was in the front and the other in the back mm. and uh, just before she was getting off the aeroplane and this guy who was sitting next to her mm. he gave her the key of his mm. of his uh, mm. of his hotel room and he says i'm like staying here we can meet up tonight mm. so she didn't, she didn't say anything she took the key mm. went to the guy to the last mm. gave him the key yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and said we yeah. meet tonight yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was a believer so she said she got the god gave her the wisdom <laughs> to, <laughs> to, <laughs> to, <laughs> to <laughs> so there was a wonderful meeting in the evening <laughs> Okay. How to get out. There are bullies everywhere. Bullies are there everywhere. And sometimes God will ask you to intervene. Intervene so that bullying stops. You may get knocked a few times because of that. But you are intervening not for your sake. You are intervening because a bully will bully everyone who is weak. Yes, question number three. If God blesses and provides a breakthrough, does it mean it's blessed with favor or can we still go through severe hardships if we do face difficulties then some say it's not god's will for example a job that's tough to sustain due to difficult boss or a client etc albeit it was a job that god blessed with so how do you deal with this there are, when you're talking about blessing and breakthrough and difficulties i believe you're talking about the blessing is a pay package <laughs> which is a blessing mm. okay and the bible also says money can solve a lot of problems mm. he only says do not love money we mm. all need money and if people had money a lot of their troubles in life would be just over just over but god does not give his people so much money he wants to give but does not give money because they will start loving money mm. <laughs> that's why he loves us so much that he doesn't want to ruin our soul <laughs> with the love of money okay but if he if he can be a good steward of money god has no issues in the gold and the silver are his and if we don't allow the gold to touch our heart so here when the person is talking about blessing is i primarily believe it is talking about a financial blessing a job profile or whatever but with the blessing will come hardship you know that in real life you cannot uh, you cannot uh, succeed because you, you look <coughs> joseph got a coat of many colors mm. what did he, did he ask for it no no it was given to him what did he do to his brothers 
created envy, jealousy and hatred. So if God blesses you in a particular place, it may cause envy and jealousy in somebody else. Mm. But you are not responsible for that. You are blessed. Mm. David was blessed. Daniel was mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. David was. Mm-hmm. What did it cause in Saul? Jealousy. Anger, wrath, ma- murder. Mm-hmm. Did David do anything? No. He was just being faithful to God. His brothers were jealous. King Saul was jealous. Okay, with Daniel also. They said they checked everything on Daniel. They couldn't find anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Why were they mad? They were just jealous. So there is blessing and there is difficulty. What is the difficulty? Because he was blessed. Daniel was blessed. What is the difficulty? He had to spend a night in the lion's den. It's only because God intervened, he came out alive. Mm. Okay? And because, because somebody blessed, there are people who have gone to prison because mm. of false accusations. False accusations. Because people are jealous. I know cases up to this week where people were so jealous and set you up. They set you up. Set you up. President Trump was set up. Mm. All his four years they were set up. And they're set up by the political hacks there in Washington, D.C. Because Washington, D.C. is uh, career politicians. Mm. And he's the first outsider to come. And they were so jealous of him because he really, really wanted to transform right now. P.C. He's the first president who lost one third of his money after becoming president. Everybody got in and came out with much money, more money. He lost. And they were envious of him. They were... They hated him, hated him. And if, if you look at it, without cause, without cause, yeah. why did they, why did they hate him? It was without cause, but he stood there. But because he was a street fighter, he gave it nicely back. Okay. And, uh, they made that also into a big issue. They also made it into an issue. But um, Christians should not judge him as a Christian. Hmm. He was not this pastor who turned the other cheek. He was a street fighter who will punch you right back. And the fact of that, when I look at it, that you needed somebody like that. Mm. That is why they won't allow him to come back to social media because they know he will punch you back again. Because one of the, one of the problem with with the devil is the devil is a bully. Mm. Yes. Devil is a bully. And his primary weapons is one is deception, the other is intimidation. And uh, if you resist him, he doesn't know what to do. These leftists are all bullies. Mm -hmm. Bullies. They are bullies. They will silence you. That's why this is silencing, cancelling culture. Mm -hmm. Okay? While true liberty, everybody has a right to speak. Everybody right to speak. So we have to look at all these situations. We see real life situations and we, like we say, we pick our battles. Mm. We don't get into every battle. You have to be very, very careful to pray and see that the battle we that pick, God is with us. God is with us. God is not with us in every battle. Okay, the mistake Joshua made before going into I, he never consulted. He got defeated. If he had just asked Lord, what? I mean, after Jericho fell down, after impossible city fell down, he should have been wise enough to go to God and say, Lord, what should I do next? Mm. He didn't. Mm. So he got defeated. Then God told him what to do, what was the problem, dealt with, how to fight, he won. Again, the Gibeonite uh, issue, they got deceived. Simply why? He did not check with God. If you look at David, he never lost a battle. Mm. Never lost a battle. You know, by each time he consulted God, and each time God told him what to do. And yet, when he did not go to war, 
because he was involved in an affair. He did not go to war. This put the city to siege and nobody was winning. Mm-hmm. Joab and his army stuck there. And finally, everything is over. Bathsheba's husband is dead. The child is dead and all. Then he sends, you know what? We are about to win. Okay, by then, David has been restored, but he still has not come to his full consciousness. I need to be at the battlefield. He says, come here and take the crown. Otherwise, I will get the glory. And he goes. Because so we need to realize, we need to pick our battles. We need to be very sure this is the battle God wants to fight. Mm. And we keep asking for guidance, Lord, how do you want me to fight? Mm. Okay, This is not uh, what you call street smart. It's not the wisdom of the world. Mm. It's the wisdom of God. Wisdom of God. And uh, it will involve prayer. Mm. It will also involve knowing your word very well, that you spend time with God and hearing from him. And if God says, no, it doesn't matter how great the cost is, you stay out of it. Just stay out of it. It doesn't matter. The cost may be incredibly great. Like Jesus walked away from that little town, my favorite person in Mark chapter 1. Look at him, says, a city full of sick people, all have come early in the morning, and he's got the power to heal everyone. He just walks away. There's no cause greater than the will of God for you. It doesn't matter how great the cause is, how good the cause is, how righteous the cause is. Ultimately, our prayer is, thy will be done. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Boy, that was awesome. Question number five, Pastor. We need to pray and ask God to speak to us. But when we do, we do not hear. But we hear through another servant of God. Could we put the S that AC on? I don't yeah. think there's an issue. Yeah. Yeah. So uh but we hear through another servant of God. Yeah. Could we go by what they spoke about and assume God through this servant? Is what is is that presuming and assuming? No. You see, um the new covenant everyone is supposed to hear. But that doesn't mean everyone hears automatically. Automatically. And also how you hear also differs. Mm differs. Like in our typical meeting over here, we have different kinds of people sitting. We have the little children sitting there with their notebooks and pens. <laughs> they also hear. Mm. What do they hear? What do they hear? Do they hear? They hear. Meaning it's not that they don't hear, but how they hear is completely different. The understanding is. Then we have the teenagers sitting over there who are in la-la land. Mm. Do they hear? They hear. They hear. But do they also hear? No. Okay, then there the, are the senior, older people sitting over here, and we think they are senior, they're older, they all hear. No, they all hear differently. Mm. So many people hear through the prism of their troubles and trials they are going through. Wow. That frames them. Yeah. That mm. frames them. And you cannot hear that way. Mm. You cannot hear that way. Because the Word of God can stand on its own. God may speak to your problem, but your problem should not speak, should not uh, determine how you hear. Okay, should not. Uh, that's where we have to be very, very clear. God speaks, but to learning to hear, and God speaks through servants. We have to. It's not. I mean, then there should be no ministry in the mm. church. Why has God put ministry in the church? That is the apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelist, the pastor, teacher, the fivefold ministry. Is that God speaks through His servants, mm. and that is His primary way of speaking through preaching. He speaks to you in your daily devotions, yes, but God speaks through preaching. Okay, otherwise there needn't be any any preaching at all. Everybody sit, give them a Bible and say, go home. There's no need for worship, there's no need for teaching. No, mm. God speaks through preachers. But you just have to be careful about it. 
that, no? And the first teaching in anybody's life, any young believer's life, is they have to be settled in doctrine. Settled in doctrine, you know? And, and that is where people struggle. People struggle because most people today, 21st century church, and, uh, they're problematic people, meaning they're not problematic. <laughs> they, they are listening to a message only because of their problems. problems. It's mm. like the people who came to Jesus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy. They got mercy, they walked away. Mm. <laughs> they never came back. Okay, it's like that. They just want a solution to their problems. Mm. Most people. They're not disciples. They're not disciples. And if you look into the Word of God, Jesus only teaches his disciples. The disciples always had the freedom to privately ask him questions. Privately asking questions. So one of the fundamental things about the person who are asked this question is, are you a disciple? Mm. Are you a disciple? Don't be a follower. Jesus had plenty of followers. And Jesus also had disciples. And again in the disciples, there were different groups. You need to be a committed disciple. And it was best spoken by Peter. Will you also go away? Because the teaching is getting difficult. Do you also want to go away? Peter said, where shall we go? Mm. Probably the most profound words Peter spoke after the revelation, you are the son of God, Christ the son of God, is this, where shall we go? Because you alone have the words of life. life. Okay, so you have to be a committed disciple by saying, you know what, I'm not going to be offended. I'm not going to be upset. I'm here for life. And your word is my life. Mm-hmm. Okay, And then you will realize it that when you have actually, honestly I'm telling you, this is also from experience, when you actually in your heart and in your life surrender to the word of God, respect to what you're going through, your troubles or your sins or what, Everybody goes through. When you have surrendered your will to the word of God and to the spirit of God, God will speak. He's able to speak to you. Because you're not a pig. You understand what it means? You're not a pig. Because he made it very clear. He will not throw pearls before swine. You're not a pig. God says, that's not a pig, that's a child. He said, a child. And age is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Okay, You may have never heard from God, but God is able to speak to Samuel. <laughs> He can't speak to a lie. He can speak to Samuel. You know why? Because he knows Samuel will not allow his words to drop to the ground. While a lie was just allowing the word of God to just fly past him. He was not listening to it. So he knew it all. It was not. Okay, That's the key of hearing from God. Hearing from God, the primary thing is the prayer of Jesus Christ. Thy kingdom come. Thy Father, it doesn't matter what it costs me. My prayer is that your will should come. That's how Jesus walked to the Father. It's not my will, thy will be done. He's prayed. And you know what? He always heard. He always, and that's why he says, I know that you always hear. But I'm saying this for their sake, so that they will know you always hear. <laughs> if you heard me, you will hear them too. Because mm. for you, I am son, they are also sons and daughters. So he was teaching us. God always hears. God always hears. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So this question just came right now. Um, hello, Pastor James. Yeah. How does one know if he is called to lead a life of singleness? Oh, the one which I said. Yeah. Okay, let, I also let me read that here. Yeah. <clears throat> how, do, how does one know if he is called to, life, to lead a life of singleness? <clears throat> Are there any obvious signs that indicate that a person should not be married? I'm about 30 years old and averse to getting married. I have by nature no desire to be in any relationship, 
My desire for sex and intimacy is almost non-existent. Mm. I think about getting married when I'm very sick and in need of help or for conforming to the social standards as single people are looked upon as lesser individuals. Mm. I don't believe that I have any selfish or carnal motives behind not getting married as far as I self-examine. Mm. I've been born to and raised up in a good family and my past was pretty decent. Besides doing the general will of God, I have been keeping this matter in my prayers for quite some time now. I'm still not sure what the will of God is about this aspect. I need your advice. Okay, we'll go back to the most famous bachelor in the New Covenant. <laughs> Our favorite Apostle Paul. Hmm. We'll go to him. I think it is... It's seven. Paul, not Peter, okay? Some Paul, okay. No, Paul, not Peter. Peter? <laughs> it's not, not you. <laughs> it's Paul, not Peter, sir. In your case, okay? Turn to chapter 7 and verse 25. Hmm. Now concerning virgins, the unmarried, I have no commandment from the Lord. It's making it very clear. I have no commandment from the Lord. But the Lord of commandments put it in the word. So it is scripture. Yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. Yeah, keep going. I suppose therefore this is good because of the present distress that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Hmm. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loose from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But even if you do marry, you have not sinned. If a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh. But I would spare you. Hmm. But this I say, brethren, the time is short, so that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they had none. Hmm. Those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they did not possess. And those who use this world as not misusing it. For the form of this world is passing away. Mm. But I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. There is a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But who is she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. But this I say for your own profit, not that I might put a leash on you, but for what is proper, that you may serve the Lord without distraction. Mm. Okay, But if any man thinks he's behaving improperly towards his virgin, if she is past the flower of youth and thus must be, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin. Let Let them marry. Nevertheless, he who stands steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but has the power over his own will and has so determined in his heart that he will keep his virgin, does well. This is my answer to you. You need to be very meditated upon words 37 over and over and over and ask God do I fit into the scripture? Mm. This does this scripture fit into me? Mm. If the scripture and Lord it is not only this the scripture has to be all my life. Mm. At some point in your life if you later decide to get married you are not sinning. Mm. You are not sinning. A lot of people who got married in their old age later age they got married. Okay, and they were not marrying to have children or it's just for companionship and mm. everything. No, they got married. Okay, so you're not doing, you're, by, he makes it very clear. You're not sinning by marriage. But you need to be very, very, Paul says in that same chapter, he says, no? Okay, verse 8 of chapter 7. 
What does he say? I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am. <laughs> okay. Even as I am. But he also says, I forgot that words, where he says that, but it's a gift. Yeah. It's a gift. Okay. Again in verse 1, chapter 7, verse 1, he again says, it is good for a man not to marry. Okay. Yeah, verse 7, verse 7, verse 1 and verse 7, he says, For I wish that all men were even as I myself. But each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner, another in that. So he says, celibacy is a gift. If you don't have it, get married. Celibacy is a gift. I'm looking at three unmarried men. <laughs> They're all putting their heads down except one. Okay. Okay. So celibacy is a gift. You need to be very, very, very clear about it. It's, it's, it's like, it's a gift from God. And you can go through. Remember Jesus was a celibate. Paul was a celibate. I believe Daniel was a celibate. He was probably a eunuch. And the, Jesus says in the scripture, there are some others who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of God. For the kingdom of God. What does it mean? Mm -hmm. They did not go and get castrated. It means they remained celibate. Mm -hmm. They refused to get married for the kingdom's sake. And Paul was somebody like that. Okay? Which is, uh, Paul was. So, brother who is asking this question, meditate on this verse, ask God, and if God says, yes, I want to be single, then say, Lord, you want to be single? Give me that gift. That I don't struggle with my sexuality. I don't struggle with loneliness. I don't struggle with all because you already wrote over there when I am sick, I need somebody to take care of me. But, uh, that's part of a family life. But God, if God calls you to be single and gives you the gift to be single, when you fall sick, there will be people to take care of you. Don't worry. You don't have to get married for that. Mm. The wife will take care of you. You don't have to get married for that. That's not the reason to get married. Okay, so please remember this. These fundamentals are there in scripture. And we need to be very, very clear about it. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Question number six is, please help us with some kind of teaching about walking in discernment. Okay, there's also another one. Please speak on Christian leadership in secular places. Yes. Uh, this one is that, please. This is question number six. Six. Help us with some kind of teaching about walking in discernment. Now, these are people who work, Christians who work in secular places. The other one is talking about Christian leadership in a secular place. And here, somebody is talking about walking in discernment. Mm. Okay. There are two kinds of discernment. Like I, I use the word, some people are very street smart. Mm. Very street smart. They have spiritual life. My wife is street smart and spiritual discernment. She has both. She's street smart because she worked all her life with troubled teenagers. So what will be like I will miss by a yard, she will get it like a twinkling. Because she's trained. She's a trained social worker. She has worked with all kind of young people, all whatever they have gone through. So she can see easily. That comes from experience. Mm. It comes from ex It's like uh, uh, Dr. Richard sitting oh, over here. Sorry. He's a doctor. And uh, like, you know, and he's also an emergency room doctor. That means all his life since he's been practicing in the emergency room, what has been he dealing with? Emergency cases. Mm. Emergency cases. Like when my wife had a situation, he immediately, he's the first one, he immediately met and gave her the injection too. 
protection too. And you know what? That was the right thing to do. Why? Mm-hmm. Because he's handled so many cases. Mm-hmm. He looks at the symptoms, he knows it, this is the intervention. How did it come? It didn't come from the medical college alone mm-hmm. where you studied. It comes also from handling many, many, many cases. You see, that's when we do counseling also when people come and they say, you listen to them, you know, okay, yeah. Why? Because if you handle so many cases, like the pattern is the same. So there is something discernment that comes from experience. Okay, that is something which youth will not give you. Experience has to be gained. Experience has to be gained. Okay, like uh, you go to a specialist. Let's let us say in medical field, you go to a specialist. The problem with the specialist is is specialist only in what he specializes. Mm. You'll be very good in that area. But if it's a general thing, you go to a general practitioner, mm. the GP, the old GP. He may be just a simple MBBS, okay, a government MBBS doctor. But that doctor gets hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of patients who is coming. Sometimes that doctor will deal with so many issues much better than the specialist. But when this doctor has a case which needs serious intervention, he or she sends it to the specialist. But this doctor has a wealth of experience. Mm. You you can't circumvent experience in any field. Absolutely. You cannot circumvent experience Mm. in any field. So you need to understand there is discernment that comes from experience. And then there is something which is called the spirit of discernment Mm. which the Holy Spirit Spirit gives. So you can be young and not experience Mm. and have the spirit. spirit Okay, Because you know what? When God is sending you out, Mm. he doesn't send you without, oh, I have, okay, I have called you, Joseph, to be king. You have to wait 50 years before you are ready. Oh, you had a gift. You had a gift. Mm. You had a gift. Okay, so that's a gift that brought him before the king. Yes. Okay, the experience was to rule. Mm. It was a gift that took him before the king. Mm. So there are two things working over here. Okay, so God gives you a gift. If I'm right, it is in First Corinthians chapter twelve, and let's go in NIV because the NIV I think puts it better than KJV. First uh, Corinthians chapter twelve. Mm-hmm. Words. Uh, 10? How does it, yeah. Let us look at different, put NKJV, let's see how does NKJV says. Yeah. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits. You know, when people talk, there are different spirits within them which causes them to act that way. Okay, and it, it, it causes you to discern. You are able to see, you know, where the per- person is looking good, but the spirit behind is not right. He's setting you up, deceiving spirits. That's why Jehoshaphat was not comfortable. Four hundred all going prophesying. He said, "You know, I'm feeling very <laughs> uncomfortable <laughs> over here." You know what? He had discernment. Absolutely, he had discernment. How, where did his discernment come from? His discernment come from walking with God, Lord, yes. because he had practiced truth. Mm. He was very uncomfortable. He said, "Is there any other prophet?" And he half said, "Yes." Why? That's a fellow who never agrees with them. <laughs> he never has got anything. He said, "Let him come." Let him come. Okay, so that's what God is talking about. One that is experience. Mm. Okay, we say in English, experience is the best teacher. Mm. Experience teaches you. Okay? And the other thing is divine. It is 
it is from the Holy Spirit. He gives you discernment. And if you are in a position where you handle people, everybody's job, you don't handle people. Some people have to handle a lot of staff, a lot of people, like let us say, how would you put, you're a social worker. Imagine you're a social worker. Social worker has to meet a lot of people and everybody will come up with stories. Okay? All kind of stories. And sometimes you fall for these stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay? Fall for these stories. So therefore you need to use, you know, there are lots of theory stories which come to me all the time over there. You know what? My wife will forward it to me and I will send one of the, what, what do we call emoticon, tongue out. I said, it's, it's, it's just, it's just a setup. Ignore it. Just a setup. Ignore it. Okay. Because it's make it, make it such a thing. It's just a bigger setup. All they want is money. <laughs> it just instead of ignore it, so don't give it. No, mm. so, but you need discernment. Mm. Okay, you need discernment. When you are dealing with people, mm. you need discernment. Okay, you need discernment. And that's a gift. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit, and there is experience. So if you have both, it's fantastic. If you have experience, and you have the gift, it's a what you call it a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. Then there was this question about Christian leadership in secular place. Who can be picked better than Joseph? Mm. Joseph is a Christian leader in a secular place. Okay, secular place. And, uh, but you do not know how we handle the staff. But you also know the staff had no complaints. One of the fundamental things which I have understood, I mean, have understood, learned in life is that if you're a Christian leader in a secular place, you lead by example. More than your words. Words, preaching, yes. That's right. More than your words. You lead by example. You're a hard worker. First thing, you're a hard worker. You are not a calm chore, as we say. You're a hard worker. Second, second thing, you're a worker with integrity. You don't cut corners. You don't cut corners. Okay. Third thing, when you goof up in your workplace, you own it. Apologies, and yes. you tell the, your company, your boss, what I am willing to make amends. I goofed up over here. I am because they appreciate those things. And whether they appreciate or not, it does not matter. You have to do what is right. <coughs> That's a Christian leader. And fourth thing, because you are a Christian leader and your employees are not Christian primarily, what you need to do is that you need to show compassion. Because they don't have what you have. So you are in the same workplace doing the same thing. They don't have what you have. What you have is God. What they don't have is God. So you show compassion. That's where Joseph looks at them and says, why is your face downcast? Why is your face downcast? And they tell them. So don't miss that. Please remember in your Christian, but don't get carried away also by that. We have to be very, very careful about it. The first thing about a Christian workplace or in a secular workplace or any workplace is you have come to work. Mm. That's why it is called a workplace. You have come to work. Yet you don't forget they come from a home. They're coming there to work because they have a home. Because they have a home. They need to sustain themselves. They need to sustain. So don't be so rigid where you disconnect this both. So sometimes you look at a worker who's good, hardworking, or he's struggling. You need to ask them, why are you struggling? Hmm. Why are you struggling? What is that? Why don't you talk? Why don't you come and meet me? Why don't you talk? In which way can I help you to make you more efficient? More efficient. 
Okay, more efficient. But be very, very careful because of today. Old days, it didn't matter. Today, you have to be very, very careful. And the person says, oh, no, this is what I am going through, this thing and all this thing. And you will say, oh, that is okay. I will give you a Bible and I will pray for you. That person will go you and set you up. That's why you have to be very, very wise about how you deal with these situations. Very in the secular, because the secular place has become a very dangerous place. Mm. Very dangerous place. Okay, so you have to be, don't go run on your emotions in those places. You have to be very, very careful how you do about it and say, okay, is that so? Okay. And you give them, first you see, give them practical advice. Okay, which are scriptural. Like when I worked in my secular places, mm. I gave them very practical advices. But if you look at the back of the practical advice, it was always backed on scripture. You can always preach the gospel veiled. Mm. Okay, you don't have to use the name of Jesus where it is not allowed to be used. But you can still put across the principle of the kingdom of God, which is backed by the name of Jesus. And then slowly as they go through in a private setting, outside the office place, they may want to meet you. That, that's an open place. It's not at the office. And you can tell them, this is who I am. So that's what exactly happened in my secular place. Never gave them the gospel. Stood my ground. Did my work. Worked harder than all of them. Was always there to help them. When I quit and I left, they said, would you come? What made you what you are? I said, it's Christ. They said, would you have a meeting in our house before you go? And all were non-Christians, including Muslims and Hindus, all from India. They said, we want to hear the gospel from you. I never did it in the secular place because I had given an undertaking to the government. I will not proselytize. That's the only condition in which I could work. I never did it. But I gave the gospel veiled as part of it. In different ways you can talk. But after I left, they all called me. And you know what? These are guys on a Sunday who never wake up. (laughs) Because Saturday is half day. They gamble. They play cards. They drink and they sleep and they wake up at 10 or 11. I said, I have an issue. <laughs> I am not free. They said, why? I said, I have five services today. And the first service at 8 in the morning. <laughs> next is at 10. The next is at 2. Next, I said, I've got five <coughs> services today. They said, if you wake up at 6, will you come? I said, I will come. So my, my had the sixth service First one at six in the morning <laughs> for this bunch of guys yeah. who never wake up on a Sunday morning, who have a hangover <laughs> on a Sunday morning. You know why? And I never preached the gospel to them. I was a Christian leader in so many ways. I was a leader because of my age, because I was the oldest among them and they were all young people. All young lecturers and I was the oldest because I was gone on a mission and they did not know it in so many ways. They looked up to me because of my age. So, there are ways in which you do it. And you have to be very, very wise about it. Very, very wise. But where you can always, that's you're always ready to help them. Always ready to help them. And they see those things. You know? And why are you helping them? Because God's nature is that. For God so loved, he gives. What is that you have to give? And you help people out. But be very careful. Use discernment also because there are sometimes sponges around. <laughs> You don't, you don't encourage sponges. Okay? You need to squeeze them that they give some juice out. <laughs> <laughs> okay? So, Pastor Vijay, we'll 
close there for today. Yeah. You have a meeting, and I'm already at eight o'clock. <laughs> I will pray and send you for your next meeting. Okay, it's eight o'clock. Pastor Vijay has a Zoom meeting now, so let's all of you here and all of you listening online. <coughs> Pray for Pastor Vijay as he ministers to the youth of another church. Father, this evening we just thank you. We thank you, Father. I pray my words were acceptable in thy sight, Lord. Mm. The counsel, Lord, was acceptable in thy sight. And it will encourage somebody somewhere to stand firm and not buckle under pressure. Because all these things will pass away one day. The world and its desires are passing away. But he who does the will of God will be there forever and ever and ever. All we want to do is your will, Lord. And as your servant, Father, today has a meeting right now, Father, I pray the anointing of God will rest upon him. Lord, it's to young people, and we love young people. And yet young lives really, really matter, Lord. Oh, Father, it's nothing like a young person saved and on fire for God, like Saul of Tarsus, and he will run his whole course. He can bring, oh, Father, the influence that he can have on the society is unbelievable, oh, Lord. And I pray the anointing will glow forth and touch young people, that there would be young ones on fire for God in this age and in this generation, Lord. Thank you, Father. Once again, I speak healing into the body of Christ. Everyone who is afflicted, especially by this pandemic, I rebuke that spirit of infirmity in the name of Jesus. And I pray and I speak healing that they will pick up their mat and they will walk. And I pray protection over your church, Lord. No weapon that is formed against us will prosper. Every lying tongue and wicked plans, O Lord, of the enemy will fall to the ground. And you will send your angels to watch over your people, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you. I pray for Reverend Love, Lord, in Poconos. Yes, she's Lord. 100, she's got COVID, but she is a warrior, she's a oh, trooper. Yeah. Time is up yet. She still has work to do. And I speak, Father, into her life, into her body. She too will pick up a mat and she will walk. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.